Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the About to Review podcast, here to amplify diverse voices in media. I'm your host, as always, that guy named John. Make sure to follow the podcast on social media at About to Review on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find full links to these show notes and guests at abouttoreview.com. While you are on abouttoreview.com, if you want to support the show, there is a direct PayPal link. If you're feeling generous, there is also an Amazon wish list. So again, like I say, if you have ever wondered what you could do to help out a podcast studio, click that link and find out. It will be a mystery. Uh, so then, yeah, on this week's episode, there are going to be just three movie reviews. It feels like I have been doing like four or five or more recently, but it is award season that is going to happen. <laughs> so the three movies on this week's episode are going to be Green Book, Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald, and Creed 2. Joining me this week on this week's adventure is returning to the About Review Studios, Mr. Matt Oaks from Silver Screen Riot. Spoiler alert, my voice might give you a turn on. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Coming out of the gate hot. <laughs> so like, this is what I do on my round twos. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so yeah, so that will be on this week's episode. Before we get into that, we'll get into the original theme song created by Damian Randall of Ill-Mannered Media. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. A few news items to start off the show, uh, one of which is going to be interesting. So one of the favorite studios uh, here of the About to Review studios is A24. Oh, such a fan. They consistently put out great stuff. Some of it is better than others, like any studio, but overall, especially for a newer studio, crushing it. It all, it regardless of like... The fact that some of their stuff is great and some of it is so-so and some of it is actually really bad. They're always willing to take risks. Yes. And that's what I love about A24. It's like when you go into an A24 movie and the lights go down, you're like, all right, bring it on. Like, mm -hmm. this is going to get weird. Yeah. Consistently. And it's just one of those things where every time we get an email about a new A24 mm. movie, sold. Done. Yeah. Just give it to me. Yeah. Uh, they have recently partnered. It was announced this week with Apple. To a multi-year, multi-film slate agreement. I don't know how I feel about this whole thing. And neither do I because I, uh, <laughs> it's really hard. Because on the one hand, like, yes, Apple will give them the resources to have like more outreach, but I'm afraid that like with Apple being such a gigantic corporate conglomerate that they will kind of tone the weirdness down and be like, hey, yep. like, why don't we do things more like 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 Disney. this? And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of tweak things in a way that I don't want A24 to be tweaked. And that is that is valid. I mean the the optimist in me is like 
great. This might oh, give. See, I have no optimistic <laughs> mode, so I just immediately <laughs> am like, oh, okay, so everything that I love is gonna die. And How can then, this go badly? Yeah, somebody's gonna come and piss on the graveyard. So that's uh, we're at that stage. Right I mean, now. all it I'm is already right... lamenting its death. <laughs> all it is right now is they just have agreed. Essentially, what it sounds like, at least in the article that I will link to, sounds like Apple is like. Hey, young scrappy studio, how about you just make some films for us? Not to say that A24 is exclusive. They are only going to be working on these for the next couple years. It sounds more like, and again, hopefully it is, help us make some original content. Yeah, and I will profess like a a pretty pretty vast ignorance as to like the the nitty gritty of this. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think there's a ton on the table so far other than we just know that they're kind of joining forces. But I don't yeah. know like if they're going to use, uh, if, if basically A24 is going to become um, like indebted to create content for Apple or if mm. Apple will just like serve as like a distribution arm. I hope well, actually, that A24, it's the latter. Yeah, well, the good news with that. So, I mean, a little bit of the nitty gritty. A24 does their own distribution. So they have their own channels. They have their own things that they plan on doing with that. This sounds more like a creative producer Hmm. type of partnership deal where it is like. Because A24 from like top to bottom has only still made Moonlight, right? Isn't that the only one that they like actually. Full like from beginning to end. Yeah, because a lot of them they've just, they're. They're they're essentially like very very good curators like yeah, they like eighth, pick up... eighth grade mid nineties mm-hmm. like they that is a good point with Moonlight because that was one from beginning to end yeah it was all of them I think in the in the past two years they have done a couple more of those okay yeah I I, I don't know why I can't I can't because I am a big A twenty four stand but I can't think of which others have fallen in that realm versus those that they like go uh, to a festival and they basically right. pick up like the weirdest, most esoteric stuff. Like, was a uh, Swiss army man. Was that a 24? That was. Yeah. yeah. But that was again, an example of, you know, they went to Sundance mm-hmm. and they saw it and they're like, Oh, this is really, uh, <laughs> expletive weird. Like <laughs> right. this, uh, this movie has a farting corpse and what mm-hmm. do you know? Now it's being ridden across the sea. Yeah. Uh, let's slap an a 24 on it. Uh, I, I love that. Movie. The lobster was that same year. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, a, was it? Yeah, I think. Uh, no, maybe. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, um, but they, were, they way, were close. Both of those were in my top ten. So this of is a, a peek inside of of the kind of stuff that I like. Literally, like just riding farting corpses across the sea, <laughs> um, as one does, and then you know existing in this strange alternate universe where uh, Colin Farrell says to a colleague that his daughter just got her first period. Yeah. Yeah. These are the kind of movies I like. Fair enough. I mean, it's, yeah, and A24 really leans into that, which mm-hmm. is great. I so. think last year, I, I want to say four or five out of my top ten were from A24. I would not be surprised. At this year, so far, my my loose top ten, which, man, it it is really stressing me out how close we are to pretty loose. not only our awards, but the end of the year. Yeah. In my top ten, I think I currently have two A24 movies in there. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm as as you well know, but the uh, the, the the dear listeners probably mm-hmm. do not is that I'm on my uh, tonight. Actually, was probably my coup de gras of screenings prior to yeah. my flitting off to foreign countries for my honeymoon for a well, month. Well, and not so. only was I you know fortunate to get mad that on a weekend or a weeknight when he is not gallivanting around some mountain or hiking, but in just a couple of days he will be well gallivanting around mountains and hiking. Yeah. In another exactly country that. for like a month somewhere and a half. that's yeah somewhere that's warm. Oh, and, that must be nice. Yeah, I know. 
I've like just been like bathing suit shopping for the past like well, uh, like two minutes because that's how long it takes me to shop because I go on. Fair. Yep. Nice. Uh, so yeah. So with this Apple A twenty four deal, again, more details will come out over the next few months. As of right now, I'm okay with it. I will be interested to see kind of that nitty gritty stuff. I'm cautiously nervous. <laughs> cautiously <laughs> solid. Yeah. Uh, next bit of news. So Pedro Pascal, who some people might know like as him. Oberon, the Pe- Red Viper. Pedro Pascal is great, and I'm glad that more people are getting eyes on him, like uh, Narcos. Mm-hmm. Um, Narcos, I I only made it through the first season, and then I watched like this first episode of the second season. And I was like, yeah, do I really want to <laughs> spend ten hours watching more of this? No, yeah. no, I don't. So Fair. I didn't. But he is great in it. He is good. He's um, good. I don't know if he's great. He's fine. Okay. I want. I like the. I like. I think what made him so good as Oberon is that like he he's so he's so uh, swarthy. Yeah, and like his his sexual energy is like just like it just pours into mm-hmm. every out. Like even him fighting is just like him like having sex. Like it just so happens to be with a spear in his hand. Like Ooh. I love that. Um, and so yo, you haven't even gotten to the fact that he's starring in the. Mandalorian. I was like, yeah, so, I'll so let you do that first. The news is yeah. that he was cast as the lead in the Mandalorian, the new Star Wars TV show that is going to be on Disney Plus. Which, yeah, like I said last week, I feel like on every episode I'm going to have to dedicate a part of the geek news to the new Disney Plus oh, news. Like probably <laughs> half of your show. Yeah. So the Mandalorian is going to. You know, be this kind of people were saying, oh, but the Boba Fett movie got oh, canceled. Totally, yeah, and, totally replacing it. Yeah. So which instead is of good. instead of giving us a Boba Fett movie, which which no one wanted, and people forget unless they read the expanded universe stuff, watch the old movies. Boba Fett sucks. Well, he he is a bumbling he's, idiot. <laughs> he's iconic for reasons that will never fully be understood. But he looks like a badass, even though he's literally taken out by a blind Han flailing around mm-hmm. and just accidentally napping him in the in the jetpack. Yeah. So yeah. Boba, Boba Fett still a badass idiot. though, still a badass. I, kind of, again in the expanded I don't know why. universe stuff. Because yes. six year old me thought he was oh he was the coolest so thing cool. in the world. <laughs> so don't don't mess with my childhood, <laughs> man. I just yeah. So I was. I was okay with the news when they canceled. Not canceled, oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. Canceled that because we we're that. like we we're getting ten episodes of the Mandalorian. My my concern, and I kind of mentioned this before, is when I was recently at the Vancouver Asian Film Festival, watched this documentary. It was like forty minutes long about this time period in Vancouver. It was a very you know centric movie to that time, but it would go on and it would like these ebbs and flows. And it would be like. And then he came back from China after meeting this person, this person, and started this legacy foundation. And he bumped into a guy on the subway, and that person's name was blah, blah. And it was like, what are we doing? Just give me the story of this one person. My concern, it's similar to like with the Cassian Andor news that he is getting. Right. His own yeah, show yeah, yeah. is like, we do not need to know every little detail about every little piece I mean, of the puzzle. Uh, wasn't the the fact that we spent like at least like four minutes in the Han Solo movie, like exploring like the little dice that hang off right. of his like rearview mirror? Like, isn't that why you want to see these movies? <laughs> like, it's like let's on. do a backstory for that the the scuff in the bottom of his shoe Seriously. when he ran over that Dwinkle rat. It's like <laughs> Jesus, people. Yeah, so that is my only concern with this new kind of 
Star Wars stuff, but I'm here for all of it. I will watch all of it. I like the idea of a of a of a television series mm-hmm. going like if if they're gonna do a television series, kind of spinning off the the Star Wars universe and getting as far away as possible, um, uh, far far away as mm-hmm. possible. I guess it would be um, from the Skywalker family and yep. all of that stuff. And like I think that doing something like uh like like the mandalorian could potentially really be setting themselves up for it could. for success or it could just be like the uh the the netflix defenders movies and be intriguing for like you know two out of ten episodes mm-hmm. and the rest just be benign and endless yeah and then people eventually just stop watching it yep so so we'll see kind of uh, about that um some deep cut nerd news Uh-oh. which i'm super excited about so Gary Gygax, uh, who that is, is the, the nerdiest name ever. <laughs> is that a human being? It is. Gary Gygax is the founder, oh my God. like well, co-founder of Dungeons and Dragons. He started it all. Of course he is. Uh, <laughs> oh man, he must have gotten so, beaten up so many times, and he's like, I'm just gonna make a magical world of dragons and dungeons. Speaking of magical world, the name of this documentary. So they did a Kickstarter uh-huh. they, of this new documentary about him called "The Dreams in Gary's Basement." The Gary Gygax story. First of all, a terrible just like, name. Just, just hearing the name Gygax, like, <laughs> oh, that poor, poor seven-year-old. Oh man. Uh, so the dreams in Gary's basement is just super weird title. But so they had a twenty-five thousand dollar Kickstarter goal to get some distribution funding and everything. As of recording, they're up to a hundred and eighteen thousand. Nerds be nerds be spending. Nerds be spending, and especially these days when it not only is cool to be a nerd that that happened over a decade ago. Uh, yeah, it's it's really problematic. Um, but Dungeons and Dragons nerds are a different sort, and in the past few years, having people like high profile celebrities be open about their love for it has been awesome. I am here for it. Uh, so yeah, this documentary already passed its fundraising goal so the next steps as far as when it gets distributed you know are on the table uh but yeah so as the as the dungeon and dragons nerd <laughs> super excited about that i actually might be there's a new book called uh art and arcana the dungeons and dragons like history of everything oh my god they might be sending me a copy <laughs> of it so i can review uh quote unquote review aka just read about and i'm biting my tongue to not cast (laughs) dispersions on the the nerdgasm that just went down but if you think i'm covered in ectoplasm if you were to cast dispersion if it were transmutation spell like a level three please not um, (laughs) please no more (laughs) so yeah so just i wanted to give it i already had to watch harry potter the fantastic beast right to the wizarding world of the crimes (laughs) of grindelwald (laughs) stay of execution yeah uh but yeah so gary gygax documentary uh, got greenlit, so good news for them. The link for that will be in the bio if you still want to donate and help them out. Um, I realized that I put Apple and A24 news on there twice because I forgot to delete the first one. Pretty exciting news. Uh, Let's go back over it. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so the other news, so the Supergirl TV show, which I'm a huge CW fan of all of those shows. Really? They You're are the so one. Fun. I was going to say, it seems like, like it has this rabid fan base for mm-hmm. things like what is it? The Flash and then the Arrow. Flash, Green Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. Oh my God! You watch all of those? I stopped watching the Arrow a while ago, but when do you sleep? And Black Lightning, <laughs> which is technically part of it. Black so, Lightning. Yeah. 
is he a black character? He is. Okay, that's good. He is indeed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I mean, why is it that all yeah. black superheroes are named Black something? Yeah. Black Lightning, Black uh, Panther. I wrote a paper in college. Black Mist. I wrote a pol- college. Wow, I cannot talk. I wrote a paper in college about that exact thing that oh. I can talk about oh, uh, with phenomenon. you sometime. <laughs> but anyway, so the exciting news is that in the Supergirl TV show, the crossover, which is going to be episode like fifteen with all of their shows, they cast their Thanks. Lex Luthor. Uh, that Lex Luthor is John Cryer, or Sire, from Two and a Half Men. Oh, my God. Now, what is interesting... Wait, that's good news? This is something you're excited about? It is, because those of you who are huge fans like I am, John... I'm going to go with Sire. I I'm think not sure. it's Cryer. It might, be, it might be Cryer. I think it's Cryer. Uh, he was in Superman 4 with Christopher Reeve as Lenny Luthor, Lex Luthor's nephew. He kind of helped create Nuclear Man. <laughs> This is what I love about the CW shows is they pull people from all of these different things that they have been a part of and kind of bring them back in the fold, back to the family. Physically, is who is he who I would picture? Not even close. I just think that the fact that you have somehow done the mental gymnastics to be excited <laughs> about John Cryer as Lex Luthor is astounding. Congratulations, yeah. sir. No problem. You, you if they, must have sprained something in, in if the process. If they had brought back... Michael Rosenbaum from Smallville, that would also have been really cool. But he hated shaving his head, so. But yeah, John Cryer with a shaved head is it's just, gonna be weird. I I don't I pity anyone who has to watch that for an extended period of time. Now here's the question though: since you are not the super fan like I am, yes, I'm John not Cryer, even a little fan. J- John Cryer is here, as I indicate with my left hand. Sure. Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor, is my right hand. Okay, they're at the same level. No matter what happens, John Cryer is going to be better than Jesse Eisenberg. I I don't know if that's true. Mm. I I mean, Jesse Eisenberg is was terrible. Is yeah, it's like he he smoked a bowl of meth right before every take, but it's John Cryer on a CW show. Yeah. Like I ew. Yeah. Ooh, good luck. Yep, so that will be on the big crossover uh, event in which Batwoman is on, and they have hinted that some other like other characters might be on there. But Tyler Hooklin uh, Hooklin is coming back as Superman, who is great. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, now, from going from exciting news to sad news, uh, we're going somber. We are. Uh, so first, so I bet I know what this is. Uh, William Goldman. Oh, I don't know who that so, is. So two-time Oscar winner. Uh, writer from oh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance yes. Kid, yeah, um, and All the President's Men, of which I have only seen one of those, and it was not All the President's Men. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, you know that's not a series, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, Oscar-winning uh, writer from Wait, those two shows. is that the guy who did uh, Princess Bride? Yes. So he oh. also helped write and produce Princess Bride. I love Princess Bride. Uh, he passed away this week at age 87. A uh, huge, huge career. I mean, spanning multiple decades. The Princess Bride. I have said it a thousand times before. I will say it a thousand times more. Will always be in my top three favorite films of all time. Wow! It is. Wow! It is a perfect film. I'll I'll air pound you for that. I love. Uh, yeah. Love the Princess Bride. Uh, it is. It is a perfect film because there is nothing about the film that you could change to make it better. Yeah, except 
10 times more Fred Savage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to get that. We need the framing device. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and and a little Ryan Reynolds sprinkled right. in there, too. Uh, oh, yeah. Quick news about that. So December 12th, they're releasing the uh, Once Upon a Time Deadpool PG-13. If anyone version. has the audacity to put the Once Upon a Deadpool and Deadpool 2 in their top 10 movies of the year. Wow. I'm going to find them and I'm going to physically pull their credit card wow. right out of the back of their pants. Yeah. So that be w- warned. That would be bold. Yeah. Uh but yeah, so someone's going to do that, you know. <laughs> Probably. Ugh. Uh but yeah, so William Goldman, yeah, writer creator, you know, Princess Bride as well. Huge bucket of win for for him. Uh but the big news uh of this past week and I had been Pretty silent about this on social media because a lot of people, you know, have been talking about it. But Stanley, at 95 years old, passed away. And one of the reasons that I was a bit silent on social media about this is because he he was a very multifaceted person, and he gets a lot of credit for things that he kind of strong armed his way into. And so it it is it is tough. The classic American story. I mean, the classic comics American story, especially. You know, you think of like so. Bob Kane is the creator of Batman. Sure. Most people know his name because any Batman comic book, the movies will say you know Bob Kane. All Characters that created by right. Yeah. Bill Finger was actually the person who created not only Batman, Penguin, Robin. Like, 90% of what we know about Batman was created by Bill Finger. And only deep dive nerds like yourself actually yeah. know that. Yeah. Until a couple of years ago when they actually did, like, they did a documentary about him. They, because of lawsuits, it now says Bill Finger and Bob Kane. Oh, so interesting. Like, so, I mean, there was, there was a lot of that going on back then. Stan Lee. <laughs> so, uh, let me pull up because I forget um, the exact, let me see. do, 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 do. do. Uh, uh, let me see. So he started working in comics in the business in 1939. Now, let me put that in perspective. Damn. Action Comics number one, The Birth of Comic Books, 1938. Wow. He was part of comic books, not just comic book history as in like, he but worked like, for Timely Comics back then. Literally, there like, weren't comic books Like there were pulp, Yeah, there were like pulp yeah. comics like The Shadow. Um, sure. You know, things like that, but... The birth of comic books in 1938, like, he was already in the industry at that age. He saw everything. And back then, you could buy a loaf of bread for a penny. <laughs> oh, yeah. you had to walk home uphill both ways. In the snow. Mm-hmm. Barefoot. Yep. This is actually all factually accurate. We're yeah. looking right at the Wikipedia uh, page. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so he is complicated. The, the many collaborators that he worked with. Aren't we all? Uh, Jack Kirby, John Romita, Steve Ditko. Some of those people that he worked with had not spoken to him in person for decades because of Mm. things that were said and done a long time ago because Stan essentially, when he stepped down from editor-in-chief and all these things, he became essentially a brand ambassador for Marvel. And his his title is like President Emeritus of Marvel because without him, justifiably, and I will always give him credit, we would not know these characters, Avengers, Spider-Man, like Fantastic Four. But it was on, I want to say the backs of, but with the extreme help of some people that never really get as much credit as Stan Lee does, because he was the one 
out in front of people, hey, true believers. Like, he was on every cartoon mm. at the beginning. So it was Stan's world, and we just lived in it. It seems like you're teeing up your screenplay for a Stanley biopic uh, that they, paints in <laughs> shades of black and white. They have actually been talking about that for a long time. And oh, no. my pick, not just my pick, I see this all the time, Brian Cranston. Like the pictures of Brian Cranston with a mustache and big glasses, like <laughs> yeah, nailed that, it. That pauses me seeing that in my head. Um, I'm just looking forward to the montage of cameos. That he oh does yeah, in Marvel movies. Because yeah. we all know that that's a hi- the actual highlight of his career. Well, that and over the past couple of years when his health had been deteriorating and well, he's 95. Yeah, they it wasn't going to improve. <laughs> <laughs> that would be incredible <laughs> if you had some gamma rays. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. They filmed, and this is what they said a couple years ago. Yeah, they've done like six a, or t- six to yeah, ten cameos. They got ahead of themselves for future movies that again we're not even. That is all they have of that movie right now is his cameo. And they're like, now we need to find a place to put it. All I can say is. That next cameo that we see him in is going to break people. So it's going. His last one is going to be in Avengers Part Two, right? Or he'll probably have one in Mar in Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, Infinity War Part Two, Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, he home. does have one. At- oh, they I've, they banked up. Man, I I honestly think they should go out with Avengers Part Two, like because you know it's it's very suiting. You know, it is, it is like, kind of the it's next the step. end of the era. Yeah, like having him kind of continue on into what i i i guess is either unofficially or officially like the beginning of phase four seems like uh kind of a missed opportunity i think that they should yeah i think they probably will just cap it after uh maybe after this event uh one one idea that was floated around was so deadpool is they say only when he is not the only he is one of only a couple people who knows that they are in a comic book and so there's a picture of him of deadpool being sad because he was like, Deadpool is the only person who realizes that Stanley has died. Because mm. he is in the comic book. So they're saying in future Marvel movies, now that Sony and Fox and Disney are playing nice with each other, have Deadpool and like a mustache and glasses as the cameo we see. <laughs> that would be funny, but at the same time, like it's too meta. Yeah, too much. It's too meta. Too much. Because mainstream audiences will be They'll be like, oh sweet, Deadpool without really what getting What will the they connection. think in China? These are the questions that every boardroom is asking. But what would they think in China? Yeah. So, you know, so but I mean, happen. nobody can take away Stanley's legacy. Uh, he meant a lot just to me with his contributions. I mean, in the room where we're recording in the studio, on multiple walls, there There's are Stanley. just pictures of him actually everywhere. So, <laughs> just so John wallpaper. Has Stanley wallpaper. There's a Stanley doll in the corner. Um, he's actually <laughs> sitting on a Stanley chair. That would be impressive. Um, yeah. Uh, he did it like is. He did like to license things. Yeah. So, but yeah, so huge, just bucket of win for, for Stan Lee. At 95, he saw everything in the comic book industry. And the thing about things that have happened in American history in 95 years. That's a, that's a good stretch. I mean, he could have, he could have done a hundred, but yeah, the past couple like con appearances were just sad. There was one where like, they're essentially like, he was trying to sign stuff and his handler is like over his shoulder being like S T A N. And it was just, it was brutal. So at that point, like, Put the dog out to pasture. Well, that or just like, like have him stop showing up at cons. Well, yeah, like, just, I mean like, that's what I mean. Him, like, know. come on. Yeah. And what kind of rabid nerds are like? No, my name's Tracy with an E, <laughs> <Right>. Stanley. 
Yeah. So, but yeah. So, rest in peace, uh, Stan Lee. Peace Your contributions, out. yeah, are are endless. Uh, there just there are a lot of people that helped you out along the way, and I hope they get as much credit as history unfolds. Uh, okay, so that was it for the geek news, and now on to the first movie review. So, Matt, how about you tee us up for Green Book? All right, teeing it up. Um, so, Green Book. The most interesting uh, aspect of Green Book is the fact that it's directed by Peter Farley um, yes. of the Farley brothers mm-hmm. of Dumb and Dumber and mm-hmm. Kingpin. And there's something about Mary um, mm-hmm. fame. He, Shallow Hal. He, yeah. More recently, he's had some not so great things under the belt, like Fever Pitch. and. Oh, gosh. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So, so Peter Farley directs this really... Uh, even-handed and competent drama mm-hmm. with two fantastic performances from Marshala Ali and Mahershala, Mahershala. Mahershala mm-hmm. Ali and Viggo Mortensen. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't think that anyone really saw him coming with this. No. Um, the story itself. So Green Book uh, refers to. I, I think the longer version is the the motor the uh negro motorcyclist motorists negro motorists green book guide something mm-hmm. or other i'm this is off the top of my head i don't have the good fortune <laughs> of looking at a computer screen like john uh let me um, pull it up see but, if I can find it. so in, in essence um it's a it's a road trip movie um that kind of flips the scripts on uh, flips the script on um on what most normative racial relations would have been in the in the 1960s Jim mm-hmm. Crow South, um, and it sees uh, Mahershala Ali playing a gifted uh, pianist who is on a uh, a musical tour through again the Jim Crow South, mm-hmm. and uh, Viggo Mortensen plays uh, like the heavy, the fixer. He's a guy who works at the Copa, and he's off for the season looking for some work. Um, so he 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 signs on to be uh, Mahershala's uh, driver. Driver and and secured and muscle yeah yeah he's a tough just, guy just in case he's a t- yeah. he's a he's a self described bullshit artist <laughs> yeah his, so yeah the real person was and Anth- it's based on a true story yes right. uh, Anthony uh, Valalonga Tony and, Lip and his name was Tony Tony, Tony Lip, Lip for his way to basically talk his way out of any situation at the same time like Phoenix to throw some hands which we see in the film a couple mm-hmm. times he, he will gives gladly some, do Tony that. Lip gives some fat lips. <laughs> Um, and also, you so yeah, the, the the actual Green Book was called the Negro Motorist Green Book. There it is. So it's essentially part of. It's a helpful, handy guide to basically say like where you can dine and sleep and eat. Yeah, in um, the deep without, south. In the deep south, yeah. with running into as little trouble as possible. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, when you read the name Green Book on a marquee, it probably isn't immediately what your mind goes to. No. Um, <laughs> and they only <laughs> mention it like. They mentioned like a, a, a couple times yeah. in the film, but that was something where it was like, not only was this biopic drama about these real life people, mm-hmm. uh, Tony Lip and the pianist Don Shirley, Don Shirley, but it was something where it was fascinating because this is a different. We see these type of period pieces almost every year, yeah. especially when it comes to like award season, for a reason. A lot of them are done very well. Selma, you know, so we. We see a lot of films around this time period. This was the first where it was like, hey, this was a real book to show you where you can go to be safe yeah. in the Deep South if right. you're a person of color. 
That is and, fascinating. And it does it, and I think a lot of the film does does as well, but it does it in a way that isn't um, like casting a spotlight yep. on like, hey, like look, look, we're doing a racial thing. Like we're being, we're we're making a good point here. Like I think I I don't think that the movie itself is 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 perfect. Per, uh, but on the other hand, I think that it's like it's it's really really restrained in ways that this type of movie usually isn't very much so yeah a lot of times it is very in your face and the the term that you know uh tim and i tim the people's critic and i and our friends talk about very frequently shout out tim uh the magical negro phenomenon Mm -hmm. in movies like the legend of bagger vance the green mile oh for sure someone just shows up and he literally has magical healing power (laughs) some well some of that but also like spike lee talked about with legend of bagger vance where it was like at the same time period where this is happening, there are men that look like Will Smith's character being lynched all over the South. But he was like, let me help you out with your golf swing. Right, and it was like, of course. What, wait, what? That is your focus? So this movie trode, not trode, tread, treaded? Road? Road, yeah. How about I go with road instead of trying to find a word for tread? Trode. Um, rode that line very delicately because it shows Mahershala Ali as Don Shirley as this eccentric genius, you know, piano player, prodigy, but without a lot of those like magical Negro tropes, yeah, which was he, done well. And he's also, he's like, as a character, I think what makes him so compelling is that he, he is struggling with his own identity mm-hmm. throughout the film. Yeah. I, I mean, there's that very, uh, uh, clear like oscar highlight moment where he says like well if i'm not white enough and i'm not black enough Mm -hmm. then what am i and like i think that that is one of the central theses of the movie yeah it's like it's like we for 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 so many years like people have tried to put um different races into like these really really rigid boxes Mm -hmm. and then when you don't fit in that box it's it becomes very uncomfortable and i think that this movie does a really good job of exploring that through the relationship of these like two kind of awkward don't fit easily in a box type of people and I, I think both of them are phenomenal. Yeah. They're so good. Performances are solid. And what was also impressive, so this was co-written by Nick Vallelongo, the son yeah. of Tony Lip. Yeah. Not he only got a deft little writing hand there, that, yeah. the son of the lip. And not only that, but Nick's brother, Frank, is in the movie mm-hmm. as uh, Tony Lip's brother. And so like, that is you know Nick's real-life brother playing his real-life uncle. You know, in that. And so, like, this was something that was so deeply personal because, again, not only is this a story that most people do not know about, but then to have the people who remember these two real life people that they grew up with and the stories that they were telling was fascinating in an interview that I read with Nick Vallelonga is years ago when both of the people were still alive. He told Don, he was like, I, I, we would love to make a movie. We should do a movie. About this, and he said, "Sure, wait until I'm gone." Yeah, I, I mean that's the way to do a, a true yeah. biopic. Well, and I think, and part of that is gotta wait till they're dead. <laughs> one of the character uh, struggles that Don Shirley goes through is not only with identity as far as being black enough, white enough, but also his, his sexuality. sexuality. Yeah, and even when you know he passed away, it was only like I think twenty two thousand three or something. Like it was 
relatively recently, but he was still not fully ready. comfortable. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was fascinating. I think that that when it comes to you know having either some relation or close friends like having a hand in movies i think that it it tends to and i and we definitely saw this with bohemian rhapsody but it tends Mm -hmm. to like sugarcoat things yeah and i think that there's a degree of that happening here like because this is this is ultimately even though there are some challenging scenes and and um complex uh moral components to it i think it is like it's definitely like a feel-good movie oh yeah like it 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 lights up all those endorphins that that you're looking for like when you go to a a movie like this with your family like everyone's gonna leave like that was wonderful like that's gonna be the reaction um but having said that i still think that it does a really good job at it 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 doesn't feel like it's beating you over the head and being like aren't these two such nice guys well and even the times when like there there are a few car scenes when you know vigo's character tony is trying to basically explain blackness yeah to don because to don's i would not even say to his detriment but he has severely isolated himself from not just the black community but the white community. like he Mm -hmm. really separates himself he lives above carnegie hall he performs for like the high class white people, but he never really feels he's not a connected part of, with that. Right. He 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 he's very much like stuck in the middle yeah. between these subcultures and and yeah, I think that Marshall is just so good at portraying that. Yeah. He's so good. Uh, he's the, getting he's getting a vote from me. And uh, yeah. Mortensen Mortensen is Definitely as well. Yeah. You know what? They're they're I, this this pisses me off because this is like such a flagrant example of of category fraud. But they're running. Uh, this is some insider baseball, mm-hmm. I guess. But they're running uh, uh, Vigo Mortensen as lead and Marshall Ali as uh, co lead or supporting. Yeah. And that is just that's bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. That, because that is it is one hundred percent. Okay. I, I guess that we. Yes, maybe spend the first like fifteen minutes just with Vigo Mortensen, but it's a co-lead movie. It, it is a co-lead. Come on, hundred percent. Um, some of the other, just like one other note that I had on it, the original song in the title credits uh, is done by Aloe Black. Uh, it is "Count on Me." Great song. Uh, that is definitely probably going to get some Oscar interest for best original song. So far, Sade has two original songs Sade. this year, <laughs> so she is definitely going to get. A nod for one of those uh but yeah like taking this real story of these kind of uh people from opposite ends of the world as it were who have to meet up and then in the movie it portrays it as a two-month road trip in reality it was about a year and a half that they oh, were on tour whoa. so over okay. a couple different kind of legs around yeah. 1962 and it was just it yeah you said it like it does not beat you over the head with it but it shows you very blatantly in one scene in particular, and this is not a spoiler, uh, he is playing for a group of white people at this beautiful like governor's mansion. Between sets, he was like, "Can hey, I need to use the restroom. He starts going towards the bathroom. They're like, oh, uh, oh yours y- is outside. Yours is outside. Sir. And they point to an outhouse. And they're like, it's rather nice. And it was just like, what? But at the same time, these that, things happened. That's a Jim Crow self. I mean, even that's a, what they did. I mean, Ray Charles, like his song, Georgia. Right. He was not allowed to perform in Georgia. That is so romantic. The song about Georgia. <laughs> sort of like, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, okay. Uh, one of my favorite Stanley quotes that I say 
very frequently back to Stanley again is that every comic book is somebody's first. So if this is your first time listening to this episode, see that segue, boom. Oh, look at that tie-in. The rating system for this podcast, there are only three choices. No letter grades, no stars. The three choices are good, bad, or ugly. <laughs> a good film was something that you would recommend to a friend. A bad film was something that was not really that great, but you did not regret sitting in the theater for a couple hours. And an ugly, avoid at all costs. So if you could not tell already, as we are most likely going to be voting for both of the leads in our Seattle Film Critics Society Awards in a couple of weeks, Matt, what do you give Green Book? Yeah, this is this is an easy recommendation for me. Um, I I just wrote today, um, so I, I published my my review on my site, Silver Screen Riot, mm-hmm. um, and I, I went on and you know my little tidbit is just like this is the movie to see with your family yeah. over the holidays. Like it's it's not. It's not perfect, um, but it, it I I can't see anybody seeing this movie and being like, "What a crock of yeah. like oh I wasted my money and time like it's just it's just fantastic performances." Um, Peter Farley proves himself as a Man. really deft <laughs> dramatic director, yeah. um, which is awesome. Um, and yeah, I, I there's uh, I can't I can't even think of a reason. Other than you know, it is a little sugar coated, and I think that mm-hmm. it does. A little schmaltzy at times. Yeah, uh, but you know, all in all, this is a yeah easy film for me to recommend. So official rating. Official rating is definitely a good. Excellent. Uh, same with me. This this is good. In the first like act or two, I was like, I was just waiting for like get that magical Negro the shooter shoot drop. drop. Yeah. <laughs> but again, it just it rode that line really delicately, and it was clever. Writing was solid. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it gets it's it gets a good, good movie from me as well. Uh, cool. Next film on the docket is the aforementioned Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Fantastic Beasts, and, and Where to Find Them: The Crimes of Grindelwald. <laughs> um, yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we? Are I think I've done. I think I'm done through the title. Okay. Uh, so this is the sequel to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. The Eddie Redmayne spotlight from a couple of years ago. This continues the story of of Newt Scamander, uh, who in this one. The real is... question, though, is does it? <laughs> oh, I will get to that. So it continues the story of Newt Scamander, uh, who has all of these fantastic beasts in this suitcase, basically his own little TARDIS, uh, and he just wants to help the world and help the creatures mainly he actually cares more about the creatures than he really people. wants to ride the creatures i think he i'm does not that i'm not convinced that he wants to help them as much as he just really wants to wrap his legs around them and ride them through the streets that uh, is or the water with the uh the the okay. font the yeah, font yeah. or the the f- font Leroy. whatever it was the front the front monster oh, uh so cares. this movie introduces or actually the first one introduces johnny depp as grindelwald the antagonist uh, Jude Law as Dumbledore, uh, and then returning, you know, to the cast, you have, I mean, you have Ezra Miller as, as Credence Barebone, uh, and then... Barebone, that's an interesting character's name for this movie. It, uh, yeah. Seeing that it's Barebones. I would say it is the opposite. It, it, is, it is stuffed. So it is somehow both overstuffed and nothing happens at the same time. It's basically like reading an appendix of uh, a beloved story where you're like, I am so wrapped up in the minutia of tertiary characters that like my brain is no longer registering. You forget what is anything. happening. Yeah. Yes. So like I own 
the like I own my mom's copies of the Lord of the Rings books. So these are ones from like the 60s. Oh, that's badass. Um, and I have the Guide to Middle Earth, which is a book equally as thick that A to Z talks about everything in the books. So that analogy that you just said, I was not even planning on tying it to Lord of the Rings, but it does make sense where we get introduced to so many characters. And you have returning characters. Uh, Jacob Kowalski, Dan Fogler is still one of my favorite characters in these movies. He Why? is great. He does uh, nothing in this. <laughs> Tina Goldstein, oh. a.k.a. Catherine Watterson, and then Queenie Goldstein, uh, Allison Sudel. And then, uh, if again, if I were to not mention her, Tim would shut off the podcast and then never listen again. Uh, Zoe Kravitz is in this as Lita Lestrange. Oh, um, I don't. I don't even want to talk about like it, the the problem with this movie is like everything that's so awful about it is like a spoil. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah so so what I will say without spoiling anything, we get to we get wrapped up in the characters that we know, and then we get introduced to a bunch more. Do we get wrapped up in them? Well, wrapped up as in we get throw we get thrown back there's, into their there's world. There's content. Yes, there's content. content. There's hashtag content regarding them. <laughs> I don't know if we learn. Anything more? No. Any of them? One of my biggest problems with this movie, it introduces at least seven different plot points. We have family struggles. We have love stories. We have mythological creatures that somehow tie into certain people. Like there's there's Newt's secretary that's obviously very hot to trot with with him. And then he's like just very violently dismissive <laughs> of everything she does, and then yeah. he like writes her a goodbye note, and then we never hear from her again. Nope. And that was- I think that like <laughs> I love the fact that they're like, you know what we need to do with Newt Scamander, like the walking, talking equivalent of like one of those like squiggly faced emojis. Like, <laughs> let's make him a sex icon in this one, and have all the ladies just laughing at 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 his at his aphrodisiac juices, like. What? Yeah, that, that what? Was a, it was a weird choice, and especially because <sighs> all of these Fantastic Beast movies are new. Like this is new yeah. mythology. They can do anything they want, and that is the and thing. And it's is, J.K. Rowling writing it. But when you introduce characters in this film, the problem with and this is a problem with prequels in general, just like with Rogue One and all of this. When you introduce these really cool characters that we have never heard from again. There's probably a reason for that. So we get introduced to characters like his assistant that we, th- it makes us feel like, wait, did I, was she in the first? Did I miss something? Right. What did I, nope. She was just in there for like five minutes, has some weird interactions. For he is so aloof to it. Literally what reason? Zero. I mean, everything in this movie, it's like, wait, why did we spend, like there is, there are entire characters in this movie with more thought, put into their story than the main characters from the previous movies who ultimately like from a narrative perspective all they do is serve as red herrings that's literally the entire point of about maybe half an hour spent with particular characters they're just red herrings to be like nope gotcha Mm -hmm. and it continues (sighs) it continues those gotcha moments it opens with those in this kind of uh prison escape moment and it those gotcha moments are over and over again it was like why do we need i mean having one big reveal in a movie that is a sequel to a prequel that there's going to be another one sure in the last one it ended 
with Colin Farrell turning into Grindelwald. And it was like, oh, snap, that was a yeah. twist. And this one, it like opens, oh, snap, twist, 30 minutes later. Oh, snap, another twist, 10 minutes later. Oh, what? Like, oh, yeah, all, <laughs> all these, I mean, to me, it's just so deeply fan service yeah. without actually telling any kind of compelling story. Um, like, I, I, I'm, I, I'll make fun of uh, Aaron, um, who at the screening. Which like, one? Uh, Aaron um, Hunley. <clears throat> yeah, Aaron Hunley, okay. who's a, a big Harry Potter nerd. Um, sorry for calling you a nerd mm. if you're listening. Um, but like, like when younger professional Professor McGonagall oh, yeah, yeah. appears on the screen, uh, on the screen, mm-hmm. she like squealed in delight, and like I feel like that. Yeah. That's the kind of reaction this movie is pining for. Like 100%. it wants you to just be like, "Oh my God, is that like a young Professor Flitwick? Is it like, <laughs> oh, is that is that wand belonging to Lupus? Whatever." Like wow. the whole the whole movie is is just predicated on, like I said, like like the appendices of yeah. Harry Potter. Like it's not telling any semblance of an interesting story it's not working to develop its characters in fact it like it shifts the focus to people like like dumbledore Mm -hmm. and then despite doing that still kind of only uses him as a cameo yeah and that being said like jude law was actually pretty solid as dumbledore i liked that but it was it was weird choices and especially like the mcgonagall thing it, I mean, this is getting a little bit deep cut, but if you're going by like Harry Potter timeline, none of this makes sense. By the time Dumbledore was that age and teaching He's Defense like of the Dark Arts, which is not really quite accurate, like she would be like eight years old. Yeah, that's what. It's, so, but they're again, like they're, they're the doing same it age? for those moments, right. which again, yes. I wrote that in my notes right after the movie. I was like, they're going to be Harry Potter nerds. And I fancy myself a Harry Potter fan, not a I nerd. I was a Harry Potter fan. But they're going to dissect. Mm-hmm. every character in this movie right and guess what none that's, of it matters that's all this movie is yeah, it's none. like it's like easter eggs the movie honestly mm. i think this movie makes the hobbit movies which i hate yep. look good wow yeah that is bold throwing down the <laughs> gauntlet bold. at least at least in those i was like Oh, this is this is this is horrible, but at least like there's some kinetic energy. Like this yep. is a snooze. This is a, this is a thirty movie. thirty to forty minutes in. I I literally started dozing off. Like yeah. I I was my eyelids got really heavy. I think I think one of the spells uh, missed another character, and I was hit with a fainting spell because I was I, I I was really struggling to stay yeah. awake, and I was like not even tired. Mm-hmm. I was this. This is. It's it's like it's like taking a sleeping pill. Well, it, was, it reminded me also of Star Wars, the prequels, when it was like, you know, what kids want to see not action, trade Politics. disputes. Yeah, <laughs> like what? So this movie, and again, there there are parts of it that I really enjoyed because of again the name drops and things like that, but. Some of the writing is just lazy. It's cheap. So, it's muggle, cheap. like the the term muggle makes sense. It is now a nomenclature. It muggle somebody who does not have magic. Sure, the fact that in the in Fantastic Beasts and where you know where can find them, they're in the suitcase. Uh, they introduce this new word that the Americans use called nomadge. No I love the nomadge. 
as in no magic. And it's it like, honestly, it's like on. it's lowest common denominator oh, stuff. And they add a second one in this if yeah, you caught they do. it. Uh, so Johnny Depp is giving this big speech as Grindelwald, basically being Hitler and being like, "Hey, join me. I don't want to hurt. I just want to quieter Hitler. I just want to take care of this problem. And you, know, you all want peace, right? You saw him do the violence, right? So Muggle he, lives matter. He not only says no magic, he says can't spells. Yeah, and it was like what? Also Ugh. wandless. Wandless's. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the third one. Uh, God, can't spells like it's it. What ugh. it reminds me of is um that horrible horrible series um uh oh man I can't like the ones Insurgent and what what were those movies? Uh, the Maze called? Runner ones. No, the oh, other, oh, the ones. other ones. <laughs> um, oh, I thought it was just the Insurgent. God, it's the Scorpion Insurgent trials. and no, that was Maze Runner also. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> God, this is is the one with the girl. Oh man. Okay, uh, I'm I'm blowing it here. Um, Divergent. It's oh, Divergent. Of course, it rhymes with it. And like, <laughs> and when it's like breaking them down into basically like their houses, and like oh, right. the house that she's put into is called Dauntless, and it's like oh. really like this is this is literally for the stupidest person in the audience, <laughs> and even they're too smart for it. Right. This felt like that. Yeah. It's like. No madge, like it just Can't just spell. just everything about it. It's like it's like do and 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 the fact that this movie like literally spends two hours and fifteen ungodly minutes, <laughs> basically asking one question, which is like, but who are who are the Flash's parents? Like right. literally, the entire movie is that question, and there there are scenes where characters will just like literally be holding their breath for the answer and then like they like milk like 20 seconds out Mm -hmm. of that it's just like i know who your parents are pause pause for dramatic effect keep pausing pregnant pause (laughs) right and yeah and i i i i did not like this what is crazy is eddie redmayne (laughs) is great no i I, totally disagree i like eddie redmayne a lot. He oh, is he's just awful. He's charming. This. He is aloof, but that's funny. I I I can't go anywhere near there. Really? I thought he was so annoying. I thought everyone was so annoying. I liked Johnny Depp more than anyone in this movie, <laughs> wow. and I hate Johnny Depp. Yeah, and Johnny. I mean, he is not in it as much as you would think with the movie called The Crimes of Grindelwald. Also, it's worth pointing out that we literally see no crimes committed. So and I thought about this because I, mean, I talked about that on uh, Twitter, Facebook. Okay. So in the in the beginning, this is not a spoiler. Yeah, you see escape. part of it. Yeah. In the escape, you see him do some bad stuff. He's criming. We, we never see. Okay. So in the first one, Colin Farrell was who he was the whole time. Right. We never really see Colin Farrell do a lot of crimes. So it was like, how is this guy like the, the biggest baddest villain that nobody wants to talk about? Even Voldemort, they were like, he might not even be as bad as Grindelwald. Blah blah. What when he and yeah, I know he's not, like he doesn't really do much. Yeah, and I know from Harry Potter lore from those people who have read the books like we have. I mean, Dumbledore's sister was killed in this like crazy battle that the three of them had. Are we going? This is a Obviously prequel. All, yeah. So are we going to see that in a flashback? Like, I just they're missing so many opportunities that they really wanted to develop this prequel series. This entire movie is, as I mentioned, about. The, the legacy mm-hmm. 
and it's about setting the table for the next movie. That's all it is. It's drawing battle lines in the sand. That's all it is. The entire two hours and 15 minutes is like, but who's going to side with who? Like, oh my God, it just drones on and on and on. And even when we get introduced to new characters that are kind of funny, uh, the alchemist, uh, like I was so checked out. Like I, that guy felt like me in the movie. Like all he, he just looked like all he wanted was like a nap forever. And like, that's how I felt. Like he was kind of funny, but again, we get introduced to these characters. So half-baked. So half-baked. Yeah. It was just the, the writing was just lazy and weird. Uh, one of the lessons I learned is that apparently you can fight fire with fire. I will not go into why that is important, but come on. Um, that was just bizarre. I will admit, because I, I have been writing on this the entire time, I I thought that the moment, like the, the final showdown, literally mm-hmm. like the last, like, what was it, like 15 minutes? Yeah. That was, that was pretty good. Okay. Everything else I pretty much hated. Yeah. Yeah. This this was, and this is so weird because, as bad as some of the Harry Potter movies are to kind of go back and watch, like the first one has all the nostalgia and everything, but they are all so much better than this. They are infinitely better, oh even those ones that are rough to get through. But uh-huh. you you have memories, and it is Harry Potter. Yeah. In this movie, when they show flashbacks to Hogwarts, and it dun 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 dun, like the music, and you're like, oh, and then it goes into the scene, and you're like, oh, wait, this is a scene, yeah. what? Is this happening? So it just it is hard to care about these characters in a prequel series that we have never heard about because kind of like Rogue One, spoiler alert, with Rogue One, it was like, wow, I like these characters. Oh, wait a minute. In the beginning of the first movie, they say that many Bothan spies died to get us these plans. <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, wait. Everybody is dead. Oh, these are Bothan's guys. <laughs> right. spies. So with this, it is like, why introduce a bunch of new characters that we know have no bearing on well, what is going to happen? Well, I think even more importantly than that is the fact that, like, the writing has shown that they don't care about the characters yeah, at all. none. And, like, why are we going to invest if, if clearly, like, the creative minds behind this, like, don't give an F? Yeah. So, it was rough. It was, it was, it was real rough. Uh, the one award that it might be up for, though, and I called this the first one, costuming. Yeah, the yeah, costuming yeah. is spectacular. Costume. I, I, really, I love his trench coat. Oh, man. I oh, wrote about that in my review. It's like, so good. I, I want to get my hands on that. But I won't be a D-bag and I won't <laughs> pop the collar the whole time because um, I'm not, not, not the whole a human time, squiggly yeah, face. You know. uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so much of this movie, I forget what, what show kind of uh, popularized it. it. Somebody wrote about it. But the, the post-it note analogy where basically – if major plot points, if all they need to be taken out is what would what it would take on a post-it note, you have problems. So, so many characters in this movie, there are things introduced and they're like, oh, well, I thought you did this. And I th-, and he was like, but if, if I could uh, explain. And it was like, seriously, oh you need to say one sentence to be like, oh, that sentence you read in a newspaper was not me. It was so painful. Boom. Done. It yeah. took 45 minutes to develop well, and also, that like, plot line. Well, and also, like... We're supposed to, from the the first movie, like we're we they develop these characters and like Catherine Waterston's mm-hmm. character is supposed to be smart and yeah. like she's just literally just like I'm gonna try and tone down my language here because <laughs> <laughs> but she's like she's just like a a, a stupid bimbo yeah. like she she re- like which this- is funny because her sister Tina is supposed to kind of be that foil like we saw in the first one the kind of flapper girl. 
esque, but in this one, it was like the main drama between two characters could have been resolved in two sentences. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was a misprint in a newspaper. Yeah. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, okay. Whatever. Moving on. <laughs> I I think that like pretty much every woman character in the movie gets like the hard shaft too. Like. This yeah. is a movie that like almost actively hates its female characters, like literally actively hates them. The I I I, I don't want to get into to to spoiling anything, mm-hmm. but like if you've seen the movie, you you can read between the lines as to like why that yeah. is because they they do one thing with 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 one character that's just like oh okay cool and that you know that ties back into the whole red herring thing mm-hmm. but yep ugh. uh okay so official rating for fantastic beasts and the crimes of grindelwald go for it i won't beat around <laughs> the bush that is katherine waterston's hairstyle in this movie and i will jump right to saying that this is a terrible time at the movies there's no magic there's no mystique uh the performances to me were hammy and yet wooden i hated it um this is (laughs) this is this is ugly this is like one of this is for my money this is the worst blockbuster of the year wow yeah that is that is strong stuff yep okay coming out hot um i will i almost gave it an ugly uh but as opposed to my my let me grindelwald you to my side with all my crimes Uh, (laughs) I liked Eddie Redmayne's performance. The costuming was great. I do agree that there are way too many characters, too many plot lines. I think the reaction that we saw in the theater were certain people, not just Aaron, a couple other people being like, oh, this. I think that is going to propel a lot of people to see this. Um, Actually, I got really suckered into that. It really underperformed. So. Oh, did it? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, it did not. It did well overseas, but domestically people were not jumping on and i got a pretty low cinema score for that so okay people are not loving it uh so i give it a a bad yeah on on the cusp of ugly because it just there was just way too much going on and so much going on but we we're bored at the same time that is a it's, failure of writing it's so boring yeah it is so boring yeah so uh all right so that was fantastic beast and the crimes of grindelwald put that the, to bed Last review of the episode is the one that we literally just got out of about 20 minutes ago, which is Creed 2. Uh, Matt, do you want to talk about this one? Or Yeah, <laughs> so one? Creed 2 is about Creed coming back for round two. Much simpler plot dynamics than the movie we just talked about. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's literally, it's as simple as Creed Creed back, Creed, Creed fight Russia, Russia big, <laughs> Russia man strong, Creed not as strong, but Creed have the heart. Yep, pretty much. The movie. This is this is a movie that really does not need any explanation. All of us know what it is. It is a it is a solid boxing movie where he is going to fight the son of the man who killed his father. So melodramatic. Uh, yes. They make so, it make sense, but it's it's so melodramatic. Yeah. Uh, so this one is directed by Stephen Capel, uh, Jr. I had to look that up. Uh, how to pronounce it before we started recording. He had to double check. He had to uh, use two sources. Yes, I, I did. FYI. So you know. this is the amount of prep work and detail that go into the About to Review podcast. Exactly. So you all know. Uh, and this is only his second feature film. His last one was called uh, The Land, about some like skateboarders. So right away, in some of the earlier scenes, we notice a 
big directorial difference between Stephen Capel Jr. and Ryan Coogler. For sure. Not to say that, I mean, it gets me, this is only his second film, you know, so there's a little bit of leeway there, and his other one is like super low budget. This is, this is big boy pants time. When you are getting handed a movie that Ryan Coogler, you know, just did not have time for, which when we first read that he was not doing Creed 2, a bunch of us got worried, and then it was like, yeah. oh, because he was doing Black Panther. Right. I mean, <laughs> I think that, yeah, he just, he, he just doesn't have the muscle that Coogler had. Um, yeah. And it shows, mm-hmm. it definitely shows. Um, I think in, in the, the fight choreography, as well as like the emotional scenes and kind of just like the segue and the ebb and flow of the story, it, it just, it doesn't reach the same heights. And I think that what Creed had going for it is that, it took the formula and subverted it in kind of interesting ways mm-hmm. while still treading like this rather familiar path. Um, whereas in this one, I feel like we've done so much like four dimensional chess in terms of like rewriting the script that it's like, Oh wait, but no, you guys have just like arrived at like the original conception of this. And so it's, it's, it is fairly row. I mean, Anyone who sees this movie knows exactly what's going to happen. You know, especially not only going into this movie, but if you have seen any Rocky movies, you see everything coming kind of a mile away, which is okay in a movie if it is done well. A movie can be predictable, but still enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So this movie, I mean, yeah, we, you know, Adonis uh, Johnson, a.k.a. Adonis Creed, Michael B. Jordan, you know, as Max Sylvester Stallone, as Rocky, Tessa Thompson, as Bianca Felicia Rashad, as Marianne Creed. They're all back from the what first one. What about the one. baby? Uh, is that a spoiler? <laughs> no, it, is, it was in one of the trailers that okay. he's kissing her stomach. Right. Uh, See, everything now, it's like, it's not a spoiler unless it's like, but what happens in the last 20 minutes? Yeah, or pretty much. Or more so, like, what happens in the last five minutes? <laughs> uh, but what I liked, speaking, speaking on like the similarities between the original and this one, yeah. or the original Creed, I should say, it felt like a very highly produced ESPN film. The fact that they can bring in, like, Scott Van Pelt, Jim Rome, Michael Buffer, like, real people, real yeah. ESPN analysts, mm-hmm. and when they show clips of the movie on ESPN, like, the way that Ryan Coogler did that in the first one kind of blew my mind, because I was like, this movie is taking place 20-some years after the last real Rocky movie, we're not counting Rocky Five, Rocky Balboa, but, like, since Rocky Four almost 30 years and it felt like we we're right in that world like this was a real event that happened that worked better in the first one yeah because in this one you see adonis looking at you know his ipad watching clips of his dad getting murdered in the ring in hd in hd like on <laughs> on his ipad it was like if that had happened in real life because death in sports has happened every now and then Right, they're not recasting no. it. Yeah. And, and they, you're not showing that clip a billion times and reminding everybody, like, oh, I don't know, his dad died in the ring last time. And it was like, dude, we get it. Like, And let's show the bloody, <laughs> bloody death. So yeah. that just, like, they do that multiple times, which is the only kind of part of the realism of this kind of ESPN-esque world. That I was like, okay, like, we, we get it. We don't need to see this. And I did like how it touched on when Drago lost in Rocky four, he lost everything. But at the same time, you should be in prison. You 
killed a man. Well, is I mean, and it was not even like it was not manslaughter. It was accidental. Like watching Rocky Four, like he intent, like he was like, no, this is my goal is to kill a man. So it was like mm, you should be in jail. So that is just kind of weird. I did like how something Tim and I and other people who love boxing movies talk about. When you watch boxing movies from like the 80s and 70s, that fight should have been stopped in the first like three rounds. Because they're like, you cannot see, you cannot breathe, you have blood everywhere. Like, no, this fight is over. <laughs> yeah. It's like, just a, a no. meat, meat oh, fist at that point. So gross. Yeah. In this one, they do a really good job. They had a moment where I was really thinking that they were going to be like, if they're going to pull an 80s BS excuse being like, oh, but such and such still won and it still happened. I was going to be real upset. And they went a different route. And I liked that a lot. Mm -hmm. And they doubled down on it. When it happens, they had a chance to do it. And then you see somebody on a phone call a little bit later. And it was like, oh, do not do it, do not do it. And they're like, you know, this is what happened. So I liked that aspect of it. The fight choreography, it was still really good, but not as intimate as the first one i wouldn't say that it's necessarily really good i just so and i i i generally i do want to get on the table like i did like this movie Mm -hmm. i did like this movie um but i think that you know looking into the the various elements of it like it's just not as well done as creed was um but specifically with the fights so just yesterday i watched um A24's, shout out to my homies at A24. <laughs> right. Uh, A24's uh, Prayer Before Dawn. Oh, which right. Is, I still need to watch that. Uh, I think it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. I think that's what I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, when I was watching that yesterday, I was really, really impressed by the fight choreography. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where I I was on my phone and like trying to look up like some more uh, like press notes and details about it. I was because I was mm-hmm. like, this guy is definitely fighting right, right now. Like this man is fighting, mm-hmm. and they they shoot like long form. Um, nice. The 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 and it's Muay Thai, obviously mm-hmm. not bo- not boxing, but um, they'll do like entire rounds with like just like mm. one cut and. And you felt every blow, right? Nice. And in this, like, yes, you you definitely feel the blows. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there's there's like the money shots of Drogo as well as uh, Creed, like getting uppercut right in the face and the mm-hmm. slow mo jiggly. Right. <laughs> it's like you know you see every like fat element of the face like mm-hmm. swaying in the wind. Um, but it it even though it probably isn't like CGI, it 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 feels like very overly produced. Yes, there are definitely parts in the fight sequences when again you have us in this world, those of us who watch ESPN a lot and we know the people on these shows, it was like, cool, I'm in this world. This is the real world, this is ESPN. But there's so many shots in the ring where the camera would kind of be tilting up at the person, and you could tell it was just a green screen behind them. Sure. That would that really took me out of it. And none of the crowd scenes felt real yeah. at all. They would show a big crowd, but then when it was actually showing the ring, I was like, you have like 100 people around the ring. Like The scope of it kind of got lost, which is a shame, because that was, again, something Coogler did, I think, a lot better, where that kind of obvious kind of halo that you see with certain green screen – 
it just yeah there's some glitches in the matrix as it were yeah and and I think purely purely from like an action spectacle standpoint, mm-hmm. it just doesn't it doesn't measure up um, to to what is done with Creed. And I don't think I don't think that it's really pushing the the boxing movie forward in any discernible way. Um, certainly not from like a dramatic or narrative standpoint. Right. And definitely like there's just in Creed, it felt like we were watching this story for the first time because, yeah, yeah it was like a modernized take. But um, just from from things like, you know, having new camera angles to like kind of give us a different perspective, like that doesn't really happen here. Yeah, I felt like agreed. if if anything, it's kind of like a step back or like yeah. or, or at least like on, on par with mm-hmm. whatever Creed was doing. Um so in that capacity, I think that that elements of this are disappointing because it's not really an evolution in any yeah. way. It's it just like is there. more of the same. Yeah. yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Similar to Fantastic Beast, this is riding a lot on that nostalgia factor, mm-hmm. and having Dolph Lundgren come back as Ivan Drago with his son who is a mutant. That guy is gigantic. He he is <laughs> like, literally a brick house. Yeah. He is huge. And again, so boxing for those of you who do not watch boxing or follow boxing, they have a new weight class like every 3 to 5 pounds. You have cruiserweight, super cruiserweight, middle cruiserweight, like it gets crazy. This guy is way bigger than Michael B. <laughs> These Jordan. are like 10 way weight cla- bigger. 10 weight classes apart. He's like looking up at him like like a middle schooler would a high schooler. Like yeah. he he dwarfs Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. And his muscles have muscles. Yeah. His a six pack muscles. has a six pack. Like not only does he have the six pack, he has like the outline in the ribs. And yes. I was like, how those muscles should not exist. Yeah. Like, come on. Like you have a framing device for your six pack. I love how in in one of yeah, it's like basically like framed on 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 the, in the middle of his chest. I love how like in in one of the montages because there are more than one. Oh yeah, one of the training montages. Um, like Rocky is literally just beating Adonis Creed like mm-hmm. in the abs with like a giant medicine, medicine ball, ball yeah. as he's like doing uh, uh pull ups, mm-hmm. and it's like oh no, actually that that would make sense, but yeah. God, like it sucks. It's, yeah, this is just punishing. As somebody who has has taken some martial arts and been hit, it sucks. Well, ben, like I, even when you win, it hurts. I think that <laughs> that is one thing that this movie does do well. Is it basically, um, rather than than glorifying boxing, which I think you know a lot of a lot of the other ones and Creed, the original Creed, does do that. Obviously, it, it like takes like the 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 psychological temperature mm-hmm. of these characters as well. But I think that in this one, it really is just like, it drives home the point like, man, like boxing sucks ass. Yeah. Like this <laughs> hurts. Mm-hmm. And the all, and the people who succeed are the, the, the line in the sand is literally like, who's willing to get their ass beat over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again and then say, thank you, sir, I want some more. Well, and Joe Rogan talks about that all the time. With the UFC, he was like, do you realize the mental state of a person whose job it is to walk into a cage that gets locked and your job is to get hit and hit somebody else? He was like, that is a different type of mental 
state for I mean, a lot I, of people. I don't know if you've ever been punched in the face. Um, I have, and it's very unpleasant. Yeah, it sucks. And I can't imagine getting punched in the face as hard as possible by one of the strongest people in the world mm-hmm. and then doing it over and over <laughs> right. and over as again your, for, like, job. what, like 15 rounds or something? Yeah. Like 12 three-minute rounds, oh, 15 three-minute rounds. Oh, yeah. my God. And I think that that's, that's one thing that this movie does do really well is it just, like, it, it, it really shines a light on, like, how much that must suck. Mm-hmm. And in a more realistic way than in the original Rockies. Because in the original Rockies, seriously, all of those fights should have been stopped. Like, sure. it was just... Well, and one of them obviously should have been stopped because the guy died in the ring. This one it gives you a more accurate portrayal of, like, getting hit that much and getting hurt that much. Yeah, you're going to be in the hospital for a while. You're not going to fight for a while. And not only that, the PTSD of what just happened. And at one point, like, he is by his old gym, and he was like... Yeah, uh, I'll be I'll be right there. Oh, I think I left something uh, in the <laughs> cars. <laughs> and then just drives yeah. off. Yeah. So I mean that part was was well done. Uh yeah, having Dolph Lundgren back, there's another deep cut cameo, Rocky Four cameo that I will not go into, but those of us who know this franchise really well, as soon as this person appeared, it was really cool. So again, Similar there to what was, we were talking about. Yeah, there was about. a big uh, uh, like gasp that went across the audience that yeah. I didn't get. <laughs> well, I think again we were just knocking on this with the Harry Potter with Fantastic Beasts of people like yeah. they fell for the nostalgia. Yeah, this I completely fell for the nostalgia, hundred <laughs> percent. So objectively, I you know it was there just to get that reaction, hundred uh, percent. But it, it worked in that sense. Yeah, overall, fight choreography was solid, but it did feel softer yeah. i think just from a technical it's, perspective like it's more in, of a welterweight than a heavy class yeah, yeah. and if they, they definitely doubled down on in the first creed i was so upset that the final fight he's just fighting this doughboy from england who like you are you are in a movie a boxing movie at least look like you care about your body you're a professional athlete or we're <laughs> supposed to care about that because creed we see him just shredded michael b jordan he 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 he's, got big. He does a. He's gonna do a lot for the steroid industry. Let me tell you that. People are gonna be going to their gym and they'll be saying, "Hey, give me the Michael B. I need that Michael B." <laughs> wow. Um, and yeah. So I think that is about again a lot of like spoilers things we could say, but it is a Rocky movie. It is a boxing movie. You can see the twists coming a mile away. Uh, but yeah, performances were all. Solid Tessa Thompson's kind of. No one's gonna be. No one's gonna be uh, getting any uh, uh, Oscar buzz talk from this. No. I mean, this is not an Oscar buzz movie. Whereas the first one was. Like, yeah, it genuinely was. The the movie. I mean, the movie itself crashed into my top ten. I actually caught some flag from somebody. I don't remember why, but they were like, "You're gonna believe this guy? He had Creed in his top 10. <laughs> I wow. was like, "I really liked it." Yeah. Um. This one, not so. This is a straight popcorn movie. Yeah. And like you know, Sylvester Sylvester Stallone in the first one was like, yeah, a legitimate Oscar favorite. Yeah, and he's he's fine in this, but it's he d- he did not have any of the not, moments that we nah, saw in the it's first not one, meaty. which to me really speaks to the director. Yeah, because if you have the same actor in the same role in the same universe, and they're not having the same that same level of performance, that means the director or not even the writer, because Sylvester Stallone was a co-writer, the director. As opposed to somebody like Cougar being like, one more. 
Like, do this one more time. We try and pull this angle. This felt like a lot of first takes. I got to say that uh, some of the musical cues in this were just, like, awesome, though. Like they were the, the, the intros. I loved them. Well, they were like, so good. The soundtrack in general, like, yes. I got to find this soundtrack. This yeah. soundtrack was great, but they're definitely similar in the first Creed where I was kind of waiting for the iconic music and it just, it would get close, it would get close. And then third act at the perfect Bam. moment, it hits you. Uppercut. This one, same, like this one, it was so good in this one. People did not realize what was going on. Until like the second or third it bar, overwhelmed, and then you. it was like, yeah. oh, here, and then everybody got excited yeah. again. Sick so, soundtrack, yeah, cool. Uh, all right, so official rating for Cree Two, go for it. I'm gonna have to, uh, I'm gonna have to stick with a. Uh, I'm going right off the bat here with a good on this one. Okay. I think that you know, in in the rigidity of your system, um, <laughs> that's the only place it fits. Mm-hmm. Um, a good minus. Nope. <laughs> It's hey you you gave the last one a bad with a with a hint I, I of, said I said on the cusp of ugly but oh, yeah. that is not an we official know, rating we know what you're doing <laughs> um, but yeah it's 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 far from perfect um, it is a step down from from the first Creed um, for sure it is very formulaic uh, it 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 does not have the same thespian heights um, that that the prior one did. It, but on the flip side, like it's very heartfelt. Yeah. Um, when it does connect, man, it has killer combos and yeah. And I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call this a knockout, but I think that there are moments where like you really do like just like want to stand up and fist like fist fist thrust one of these <laughs> right fist, uh, fist bump, yeah like you want to just like kind of like uppercut the air in the room mm-hmm. and that's what these movies are made yeah, for and like for sure. if it gets that reaction from you like then it's doing its job mm-hmm. um and even though like you know as as the the minutes are going on i'm like oh this is like pretty much exactly what anyone would rationally expect it to be mm-hmm. the fact that in the end it still does like elicit that reaction i think it was, it speaks still effective. to that yeah it's it's it 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 does its job so I'm not coming out of this with like as high praises as something like Green Book, but yeah, it's mm-hmm. a good from me. Excellent. Uh, I agree. It was it was good. It definitely the di- directorial choices were different. the The budget felt so much different. There was not as much kind of gravitas and with like it. drama. Yeah, in yeah. like the actual plus. <laughs> there's. Uh, Russell Hornsby, great actor. He was in The Hate You Give. I want, I wanted to um, see so much more of him. He plays a promoter, like a Don King style promoter. He, been, yeah. he does some Peter Baelish uh, teleporting <laughs> everywhere. It was like, cool, you're in he's Russia. He's in the stands and he's like, right. in the middle of the ring, and then he's in and Russia. He's like, and- <laughs> you just have an all access pass in life. <laughs> yeah. So that was a little bit weird, which again, it just that felt like one more edit to the script. Like, just one more tweak. Mm-hmm. Have him be FaceTime. Like, this is 2018. Speaking of 2018, one of the things that we talked about that we would be remiss in uh, without mentioning, this is a movie that is USA versus Russia in 2018. Oh, my God. Yeah, how do we almost overlook that this That completely glosses over, not even glosses over, does not even mention Doesn't any touch it of the current political with stuff. With a 10-foot pole. We're not looking for a Trump versus Putin. Not at all. But the fact that it doesn't <laughs> even think about mentioning it. Yeah. It's like it's like there was a mandate against it. Like it you definitely would, felt like that. 
when when I found out the 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 synopsis for this that it was mm-hmm. that they were dredging up the 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 old Drogo rivalry. I mean, literally in Rocky Four, like he ends the Cold War by like yeah, pretty much <laughs> by fighting him. Like, yep. um, and it's like, oh yeah, like wow, like with all this Trump controversy, like this this is actually a really interesting angle to go mm-hmm. to a Creed sequel. Nope, nope. <laughs> nothing, not at all, and even, not even a whisper. <laughs> and even when this was written a couple years ago, like yes, it was not right in the middle it of everything we were out there. Like, it was still there. And like you, like that's the kind of material that you use in your rewrites, which obviously didn't happen. No. Like <laughs> it's just, it's it's kind of shocking. Yeah, that they, they, they would omit something like that. So as uh, as I th- I think I said like it's politically aloof. Like, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> missed opportunity. Yeah, huge uh, missed. But even with that, uh, I definitely still give this a, a good. So, all right, so running down, a uh, quick recap. So, Green Book, uh, definitely got a good from both of us. A fantastic, yeah, fantastic performances all around. See with your family around the holidays. Uh, yeah, you will not be disappointed. Fantastic Beasts and the Crimes of Grindelwald in the Harry Potter universe and the Wizarding World of such and such. Not so fantastic, after all. Uh, no. So, Matt gave it an ugly, which is an avoid at all costs. Yeah. I gave don't it a, see this. <laughs> I gave it a bad, but I was, I I could have given this an ugly if a couple things had been different. Yeah, it was rough. And then Creed two, uh, both gave a good two. All right. Uh, so for you, there's not really much else going on with you because you're going to be gallivanting in the Philippines for like a month and a half. Yeah, I'm about to uh, abscond to Southeast Asia with my my wife. My wife. My wife. Congratulations Borat. on the honeymoon. Thank you. Yeah. Um. So we'll be we'll be doing that in uh, a week and change. So I'm nice. I'm speaking of change. I'll be changing into that suit about online. Hey. <laughs> so yeah, I'm uh I'm psyched. I think that 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 Creed two tonight was my uh was my movie coup de gras before yeah. the uh, Seattle Film Critics Society. Um, voting window. Even though we both have a stack of screeners that. Oh yeah. Well, I'll watch. I'll watch screeners <laughs> like, over the next week and yeah. stuff. So, but I've honestly, from what they've sent us so far, like I've seen of the stuff that like is need to see. Like I've mm-hmm. seen most of it already. So yeah. I don't know. I'm like I'm gonna be happy to not watch movies for, for a month. I like it. Sounds good. Uh, as for upcoming projects for the About Tribute podcast, the annual tradition of No Shame November. Uh, that episode will be coming out next week, and there will most likely be a special guest for that uh, from a little podcast called Hello from the Magic Tavern, a uh, little spoiler alert and teaser. So that will be on next week's episode for the About to Review podcast. You can find it on all forms of social media at About to Review, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. AboutToReview.com has full links to these show notes and guests. As well as you can support the show by clicking the support tab. There is a PayPal link, Amazon wish list, uh, and some other options there. If you want to help out the show, that would be fantastic. Uh, and then, Matt, one more time, where can people find you on the interwebs? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so my website is SilverScreenRiotMattSetta.com because I fancy like that. <laughs> right. Um, on Facebook, just SilverScreenRiot. Twitter, it's ssr.com with the .com spelled out. 
And then I'm on Instagram as Silver Screen Right as well. So yeah, follow, like, smash that subscribe button. <laughs> um, always looking for people who want to uh, read that content. So nice. Sounds good. Get on it right in time for me to release nothing for the next month. <laughs> like, Actually, the- I've got a few. I, I've, I've been very good about like pounding out my reviews like, nice. so that I won't have anything hanging over my head like right before I go on vacay. So a couple more things coming out, including the favorite, which I want you know, this said. Actually, it's not A24. I keep wanting to not, think yeah. that it's A24. It's it, A24 in my heart. Is it Focus? It's Fox Searchlight. Oh, Fox, Fox yeah. Searchlight. Gotcha. Nice. Well, cool. Yeah, so all of Matt's links will be in the show notes below. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for listening. Without your support, this podcast would not be what it is, so I really appreciate that. Thank you, Matt, for taking the time to be here. Glad to be here. And, uh, yeah, so on this episode of the About to Review podcast, I have been joined by... Matt Oaks. (laughs) Of Silver Screen Riot. And I've been your host, that guy named John. We'll see you next time. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.